Hi, welcome to episode 10, all about syllables. This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hi, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram. Hi, I'm Mary Sagafi. I'm a reading tutor. I have taught all elementary grades. I have Orton-Gillingham training and have been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for 10 years. I love talking all things teaching, and I believe that humor goes a long way when asking students and teachers to do hard things. I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you. So let's talk about syllables, and let's find out what a syllable is. Listen to my class from a few years ago explaining it. A syllable. Sorry about that. Okay. A, a syllable is a, is a word, word or part of a word with one vowel sound. That is key in helping your students really crack the code of breaking words into syllables. And today that's what we're going to talk about. Um, if you have been following us in our episodes, you we have been talking about different syllable types. First, we started with closed syllable and short vowel sounds. We moved on to open syllables. Then we moved on to magic E syllables. And both of those have the long vowel sounds. Correct. Then we moved on to um, more complex patterns with R control sounds. And our last episode was all about um, vowel teams. So if you're caught up with us, we're moving on to the final sixth um, syllable type. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the consonant plus L-E syllable type. Yes, and we'll talk about, just we'll review these syllable types um, in case you haven't heard of the other episodes, because those were talking more about single syllable words. But when I teach the syllables to my second grade class, and when I've done reading intervention with upper grade students, the sequence I do it in is I teach those vowels in one syllable words and then we revisit each of those vowel categories in multi-syllable words so that they get a review of how to apply the short vowel sounds and how to apply the long vowel sounds and things like that. Um, If you have been uh, teaching syllable patterns to your kids, you might see that they are starting to pick up speed when they start to read because they will say, oh, I know the word picnic. It ha- I can divide between the consonants, N and C, and um, I can read pick, nick. Um, and they will say those are two closed syllables. And once they are able to start to divide in between those um, common patterns and recognize the different syllable types, then they can start to work on multisyllable words, which leads us to where we are today, talking about the consonant L-E syllable type. Um, consonant L-E is going to be um, your B-L-E, C-L-E, D-L-E, F-L-E. So when you say them, you say bull, cull, dull, full, pull, soul, 
And I sometimes call them L syllables or mm-hmm. L controlled because the kids remember the bossy R. And so we sort of apply that it's sort of a bossy L and you can't really hear the E. Right. That, and, that final E is a really important piece to this because and, the E is silent. You can't hear it. There's always three letters, sometimes more than three letters, but it always ends with that letter L E. Yes. Well, or there's a couple of weird ones like hospital that has mm. T A L. Or a couple of them will have the consonant in E-L, but mostly it is with the consonant and then the L-E. Right. So when you are specifically teaching this pattern, steer clear of um, other words that don't fit that pattern yet. Really focus on all of the words that you can do. Little, simple, um, working on those types of words, gentle um, in the beginning are really important to get your kids to just understand that when you're spelling the word, Um, let's use gentle for um, an example. If they are phonetically sounding it out, you might see G-E-N because they really understand that the G switches the sound. Gen, G-E-N, tull, T-U-L. And if you see that pattern, the T-U-L, it's phonetically correct, but it doesn't match the syllable pattern. This is a two-syllable word, so you're listening for a two-syllable and if it ends with bowl, coal, dull, full, um, pull, soul, tull, um, if it ends with that pattern, it's going to be the consonant L-E. Getting kids to recognize that pattern um, can be challenging for some students. So a lot of times you'll see the class will say, oh, and get it right away. But don't forget, you may have a few struggling readers who really need you to explicitly teach it and review it constantly. I find that they pick up on it faster reading it than spelling it. A lot of times they'll still forget how to spell it correctly. But because they have some knowledge of like the words little or giggle or table, those are words that they've seen for many years by the time they get to um, being taught this in first grade or second grade, yeah, that they decode a lot of words with that so they kind of can apply the pattern easily. But then remembering how to spell it the correct way. Right. So developmentally, um, it's common for kids to um, always be able to read or decode the word first. And then when they're spelling it or encoding it, encoding is a secondary um, inverse behavior um, for so you really want to make sure that you are introducing it with a decoding piece but also including an encoding piece too so um, one of my recommendations is when you are teaching syllable patterns so simple for example here or let's use the word apple so um, anytime that you are coding to um, look at a word to divide it into syllables, you're going to ask your students to first um, find the vowels. So they're going to underline the vowels in your word. So if your word is apple, they are going to see the vowel A and the vowel E. And the first question that they ask themselves is, can I break the con- break up the consonants in the middle? And the answer is yes, because there are two consonants in the middle. So now we know it's a two-syllable word, a and then um, you're going to look at the first one, A-P, ooh, app. 
It's got a short sound. I know this is a little complicated, but the kids do pick up on it when you explicitly teach it. App is a closed syllable. Now they're going to see that there's an E. They cross off the E, and they notice that the pattern is consonant L E, and that consonant L E is going to read pull, app, pull together. Now, after they have done all of that work, you want them to rewrite the word apple. Without dividing it, without anything else, they're going to rewrite it correctly. And you should teach them and coach them through. You really need to sound out the syllable parts. Sound out app, then sound out pull. So when they're starting to practice their actual writing skills, they can write the way that you're teaching them to decode. Okay. Um, and you were talking about underlining the vowels. And so when I have the students listen to words um, and count syllables and break them apart, they I will have them hold their hand under their chin and say the enunciate the words really, really pronounced. And so in like an exaggerated way. Absolutely. And so if we're doing candle, like they'll go candle. And if you hold your hand under your chin, and you say it that way, your mouth is going to drop twice. And the reason your mouth drops twice is because there are two vowel sounds. So anytime your mouth opens and drops, a vowel sound is coming out. And so I show them, and then it's, you know, if you do the syllable can, just that one syllable with your hand under your chin, then you'll feel your mouth opening with the ah. And then when you're saying the n sound, it closes back up again. And so that's why that's a closed syllable is because that consonant is closing your mouth back up. Right. And um, that's why we use the language closed and open in our practice with the mouth. And then we've also um, shown before that you practice with doors um, Mm -hmm. and little manipulatives so that the students can see the closed and open. And if they are really strong on the closed and open, part and understanding to use short and long vowels depending on if there's a consonant there or not then our controlled and vowel team and these l syllables come a little easier no that's a really good point i hope our listeners were also sort of paying attention to the fact that we're not saying clap out all of the syllables um and the reason that we're saying it's not that it's wrong as a whole group and as um, an activity, it's okay. But when you're expecting students to hear the syllables, not all students are going to be able to clap out um, and understand that when the vowel, remember our beginning here, we said a syllable is a word or part of a word with one vowel sound. So when Shannon's explaining that your mouth drops, Um, when you're making the vowel sound, that's the really important piece. Um, And that has nothing to do with clapping. So um, I want to emphasize that it is important for teachers to do that. It's also fine to clap, but please make sure that you're also going back and really addressing your struggling readers, because that's what we're discussing here today. I think the clapping and all of that um, actually comes in the lower grades, and that Mm -hmm. syllables aren't just for second and third grade students. Um, there's a kindergarten teacher um, next to me in my school, and I, when she first started, I said, please make sure you teach the syllables, and please make sure you have the students break apart and segment and also blend the syllables just out loud, just when y'all are having morning meeting and circle time. Just do that a few times because that will help me 
eventually when they get to second grade be able to read syllables and so um she started doing it where she'll just you know show a picture and then they have to say computer or watermelon and they'll clap or they'll move their arm or they'll move their hand right we called it robot talk in my classroom a lot we would you know really emphasize the words that way um and all of that wordplay is essential in the lower grades um for making successful readers in the upper grades yeah, when they're in kindergarten, they don't need to know that it's a closed syllable or open syllable. You can teach the vocabulary word syllable, mm-hmm. or you can say word parts, um, just so the students um, train their ears to sort of know those natural stopping places. Um, but then when we get them in first and second and third grade, then we can start more explicitly teaching um, the syllable types and the syllable parts and rules about how to divide them and so forth. Yeah, all of that is important. And then it leads to... Um, more knowledge about let's talk about nonsense words a little bit so when kids are reading nonsense words especially multiple syllable nonsense words um, they need to be able to sound out those syllables so if they know the different syllable types it's going to be a lot easier for them to decode or even if they're spelling those words encode um, those words so if you have the word computer as we've been using a lot c-o-m is a nonsense syllable and that is a really important thing for kids to be able to hear understand and keep in their memory as part of the beginning of that word and then they um, will then eventually be able to spell that word a lot more quickly and have a visual representation of what it looks like in their brain right so when you're teaching short vowels and blending short vowel cbc words in kindergarten and first grade you can put some nonsense letters together um, and put, um, I'm trying to think of a good one, um, like Z-I-G, Zig, okay, and yep. just have them practice that, or um, YAG, Y-A-G, or just randomly mixing some consonants and vowels together, as long as you don't put the R in there, yeah, um, in the back of the vowel, and practice blending and reading those nonsense words, even if it's not a real word, because it prepares them for syllables. It prepares them to apply the rule. Anytime they see that pattern where it's a vowel and then a consonant, they know to use the short vowel sound. And then you can also do that when you teach open syllables. So when you're teaching little words like me or go, um, you could put in a few others like T-R-I, try, you know, or B-A, bay, and then they'll know baby when they see that word. So that matches up with fluency a lot, too. And there are actually some drills that you can do with just reading specific syllables um, and the different syllable types. And it could be mixed. It could be the same syllable um, type. So we're talking about consonant ali. They could be that your child really or your student really needs to practice just the bull, cull, dull, zul, pull. and, and that will help develop their fluency. But also I found that when you mix open syllables, closed syllables, and then maybe one other type, the R control, um, those often um, are really good drills in building fluency for kids when they're... Right. So I would have little sheets um, that I made just simply in Microsoft Word, um, a 5 by 10 grid or a 10 by 10 grid if they could handle smaller print. And it just had, you know, lots of little boxes and a table with just two and three letter clusters and the students would have to say bow row try lay me if it was the open syllable drill or like mary said if we had to mix it up you know it would say per bow q re 
or whatever, just chunks of words, chunks of letters, so that they're practicing reading those syllables. They're in their brain practicing switching between those vowel sounds. Oh, I need to use the long vowel here. Oh, I need to use our control vowel here. I need to use the short vowel here. And fluent readers do that automatically. But struggling readers and readers with learning disabilities, they have to consciously do that. Mm -hmm. And so you could start the drill with them doing it slower. You can model. You can do it together. And then keep practicing as their speed gets better. Um, And I've seen students, I've talked about brain boxes before, where I talk Mm -hmm. about how the brain, you know, we choose, I've acted out. Oh, I see a magic E here. Okay, I need to go in my brain box and choose the long vowel sound. Or, oh, I see R-controlled here. I need to go in my brain box and choose the R-controlled sound. But I think that is really what the brain does. But we do it at such a quick speed that we're not conscious of what we're doing. And the struggling readers are doing it at a slower speed. So we slow it down. I act it out so that they can practice pulling out those different vowel sounds. But then doing fluency type activities to hopefully speed that um, neural pathway up so that they can get faster at switching between the vowel sounds. I have found that to be one of the greatest interventions for a lot of my struggling readers. So um, if you are looking for an intervention and you haven't tried speed um, drills with syllables, you can find a really easy to print game on the Florida Center for Reading Research. We'll link to that in our show notes. Um, I I always use that as my go-to, I have to say. But I know that there are some really good word sorts with um, Words Their Way. Yes. Words Their Way, we'll we'll put a link to um, a book that both Shannon and I have used um, for that when we've been teaching in the classroom or working individually with students. And I first heard about the fluency um, syllable speed drills from a book I read um, called Phonics for Upper Grade Readers, written by Wiley Blevins, who's amazing. I've gotten most of the books that he's published. Um, but he's the one who really explained the six syllable types. He's got like a little puzzle board piece where he shows the six types and how the vowels follow those different patterns and explicitly teaching those. And once I found that way of teaching phonics, that's sort of become the framework that I use no matter what grade level I'm working with. Right. Um, that was kind of the big switch that I was able to understand when I started teaching kids reading as well. Um, in Orton-Gillingham, we tep- typically call it the clover method or clover syllables, and it's closed, consonant L-E. It, it, clover doesn't actually stand for the It's not the order to teach it in. to teach it in, but it is an easy way. So it's also an easy way for the kids to label their different syllable types. So C is for closed, L is L, consonant L-E, O is for open. V is vowel team, E is magic E, and then R is our control, clover. Um, so I do have, you were talking about coding the syllables, and mm-hmm. so I have had students do that in the past, mm-hmm. where it's a little bit like Alconan boxes, um, yes. but it's for syllable boxes instead, and so I'll have like a row of rectangles um, going across, and we'll either do it with decoding so we'll find multi-syllable words in books and then we'll break apart the syllables one syllable in each box Mm -hmm. or it'll be encoding where i'll dictate a multi-syllable word and they've got to spell a syllable in each box um and then what then we look at that syllable sort of in isolation in that box and we decide what syllable type it is Mm -hmm. and we'll use those clover letters at the top Mm -hmm. um just above it we'll write a c if it's a closed syllable or an l if it's an l syllable and whatnot Oh, if it's open. And then we will, 
if we need to, I've made like little bookmarks where the, you know, okay, use these vowel sounds for these syllable types, or we had little, um, cheat sheets, you know, in our reading notebooks with picture clues and stuff like that. So if they needed help decoding the syllable, um, they would use that. And then, um, they would sound out the word Mm -hmm. and then we'd go back to the sentence if it was in the book and we would read the whole sentence now that they've decoded that word so that that can build the fluency. And one student in particular, his name was Jacob. I had him about a decade ago and he, I had him for a couple years because some students just were in my intervention program and didn't learn quick enough to get out quickly. I tried to work myself out of a job where they wouldn't need me in following years, but he did. (laughs) Me too, but they always, (laughs) but I love those circle back kids. Yeah. And so I had taught the vowel sounds to him the previous year and he kind of got it, but he didn't know when to apply the vowel sounds, you know, like he knew them all in his brain, but he would use them at weird times. And so he was never really sounding out the words correctly because sometimes he'd throw a long vowel in there. Sometimes he'd throw it R controlled. It just didn't make sense. And so we were doing that, um, encoding, decoding in the little boxes and he still wasn't quite getting it, even though it was multi-syllable words. That second year I was working with him. And so I pulled a, um, pack of markers out of my cart and I just said, okay, we're going to color code these. So I traced over just the vowel in each of the syllables. So let's go back to the computer mm-hmm. example because that has three different types. So com was in one box. Pew was in another box. Tur was in another box. So I color coded the O and com one color. I think it was yellow for close. And then pew, I colored another color, I think, um, red. And it was open. And then tur, I colored the E another color Mm -hmm. so it had three different colors on it and then he noticed in the syllable pew that there wasn't a letter next to that vowel that it was he finally noticed that it was open because pew that was just it was the u and a colored u and and then it was just a line there because that was the end of the syllable and so we started doing a few more where we did them together and then i finally had him color code them and we did that for a little while and the little bookmarks that I had, I even made those vowel sounds color coded the same way. So I took cut apart the bookmark and I had the short vowels on the yellow bookmark and I had the long vowels on the red bookmark and so forth. So that he had that as a reference on a little ring to look at. And I remember after like a week of that, he was sounding out a word and he goes, Oh, that's one of the yellow ones. And he said the short vowel sound. That was his metacognition moment where he finally got that, I see this pattern, I see it's a CVC, so I know I'm going to go to the yellow sounds. And I had to just add another layer of learning style. Doing it kinesthetic and auditory wasn't enough. I had to add a visual cue in there. But sometimes you just have to layer things and layer things until you finally get the key that sort of helps unlock it for them. That is absolutely true. I love that even just something as simple as getting out your markers and re-teaching it one additional way, giving another cue, and then, you know, he takes ownership in it. And that's the key is that we want the kids to take ownership in their learning. Um, they can't be passive about it. I love, I absolutely love And once that. they have that moment where it makes sense to them, you can start to wean them off that support, you know, of where mm-hmm. I didn't have to use the colors every time. I would wow. intervene if he needed to, but that's when it all started to make sense for him. 
I have a kind of similar story, but I'm not going to take credit. This student was not, uh, he was in the same classroom that I was teaching in at the time, but um, my really amazing rock star co-teacher um, taught him, and she was also teaching syllables, and they were reviewing, and he was similar, an older reader who was struggling, an older student who was still struggling reader, and um, she got out his uh, markers, and as they were dividing the word into syllables she had him draw a really wet marker line as wet as could be and then they were able to pull apart the word so that the paper ripped and that was something that he really needed the kinesthetic piece to say oh I can pull this word apart and have it broken into smaller pieces and that makes it easier for my brain and it's another layer just an example like that that maybe as you're teaching your students you'll have one of those little aha moments but when in doubt, grab a marker. <laughs> I love that. And I always interview, I always interviewed my intervention students, then getting to know them at the beginning of the year. And these were third, fourth, and fifth graders who for years had not been able to read. And I would ask, I would always ask them what their goals were. And 90% of the students would always say, this year I want to read big words. Yeah. They would kind of say it in a whisper because they knew that that was the moment that they made it. If they could read big words, then everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. And because they saw that that was what other kids could do and they couldn't. And so what's wonderful about syllables and even breaking it into smaller boxes is that a lot of the struggling readers still know how to read CBC. Mm-hmm. You know, they can read words like cat and mop and things. And so as mm-hmm. soon as you break a word into syllables, you're like, it's just the same. You're Absolutely. reading a smaller word. Yep. Nobody's walking up and reading photosynthesis. You know, it's looking at the little chunks and pieces and even dictionaries. Break it into the chunks and pieces. You can look in a dictionary and you will see the syllables. And so that takes some of the stress and the pressure off. And so I, when I, that was my um, entree into my upper grade students. I would start with closed syllables almost like the first week on. Because yep. as soon as they could sound out, fantastic and it had three syllables but it was all short vowels they felt really cool definitely yeah absolutely once you get into those three syllable words I um I have one more kind of like story um to share just this week I was working with um my fifth grader and I've been working with him for a really long time and we have lots of these big discussions and I told him that I was working on a podcast and do I have does he have any advice or any um you know just sentiments that he could share with me so that other teachers would know and his biggest advice was he put his hand on his head and he goes stop telling kids to sound it out (laughs) which I thought was genius so if you've been listening to this entire episode you have not heard Shannon and I say sound it out because that doesn't always apply to all the kids they need different tricks and different strategies and that's what we're really talking about so if you find yourself saying, sound it out, I want you to openly and honestly admit, oh, I have a different way to teach you or I have a different way to recommend for you. Because if they're struggling with that word, they don't want to hear you say that. They wish that they could. Great advice. Great advice. <laughs> well, thank you for sticking with us. We've been talking about syllables for about 26 minutes now. Hey, I could talk about syllables all day long. I don't know about you. (laughs) We're going to link to a lot of our favorite resources in the show notes, so please check those out. Um, We usually just link to free games and also some books that have really helped us learn how to teach these strategies. 
And sometimes to some really cool people who do teachers pay teachers stuff. <laughs> and I um, always make a playlist um, that goes along with my phonics skills. So you'll see my YouTube playlist with really good videos. I especially like ones um, created by Nessie. Yes. from um england and they they have the soldier syllable division and he comes in and he divides in each episode the different types of syllables and it's really cute awesome well thanks so much for joining us and we will catch up with you in our next episode Thanks for listening to the Reading Teachers Lounge podcast. We would like to thank Jordan Kempker for providing the original music and Allison Zane of Fruit Creative for the artwork. If you could please write us a review on iTunes, that will help more teachers find us. And also, if you find our information valuable, please tell a fellow teacher or parent to come check us out at our webpage, www.readingteacherslounge.com.